Hey, welcome to TBT's podcast. I'm Dan Friel, and I have with me, as always, Jake Pavorsky and Josh Brown. Today, we're going to recap the first weekend of TBT Regional Action and talk about all the great things that we saw both in person and on our live streams as we had three or four devices at a time going. Josh, how are you doing? Doing good, Dan. Good, Great weekend one, which we'll get into. Um, really amazing games, four really good teams moving on, and uh, excited to go over it all. And Jake, what's going on with you this morning? I'm doing great. I'm looking forward to a, an excellent week two. I'm not sure how that'll top our, our tremendous weekend one that we just got finished, but I have a feeling it will. So I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. You know, a lot of people have said that that second weekend was the one that they were looking forward to, but it's impossible to, to look back at that first weekend and not be impressed with the teams that we saw advance, some of the storylines that developed through the course of the weekend. The thing that was really amazing to me, Josh, is I kind of was sitting there watching both the games that we saw in Greensboro as well as the three uh, other regionals from Lexington, Memphis, and, um, and Columbus, rather, was just how quickly the first three rounds seemed to go by. I mean, obviously, we're playing three games in three days this year, as opposed to two games in two, as we have done in the past few years. But it did seem like all of a sudden you blinked and we were in the Sweet 16, Super 16 for TBT. Yeah, it did. You know, it's kind of crazy right now that the team, you know, the four teams that are in Chicago aren't in the Super 16. They're in the quarterfinals now. Um, and, uh, I kind of liked it. It was cool. It was something different that we did instead of, you know, playing two games and then having that break. Um, I think it really kind of, you know, not that you, any TBT game is easy, but I think winning three games in a row seems like just talking to some of the players and, and watching it kind of, especially on Sunday, how really drained they are. Um, I think both mentally and physically, the three and three days was a little bit draining. And I think it really weeded out who the best team was in each region. And um, to be totally honest, I really think we got the four best teams, um, you know, that are moving on to Chicago. Jake, we say it all the time, but it really is true. I mean, 90% of TBT is just getting your guys to show up. It's not necessarily the best six or seven that you have. It's whether you have the depth. And I think that was especially true this weekend with those three games in three days. Yeah, I, I think there's, you know, it's, it takes a lot of toll on your bodies to play that many games, that many days. And when you get into the, the Elam ending on that second or third day, you got some tired legs and those jumpers are hitting front iron when they usually go through. Uh, it really was apparent that the teams that came with nine or 10 guys were the ones that had the most success. And even the ones that may not have necessarily been able to get together for a long period before TBT starting the practice, just because they had those bodies at their disposal kind of gave them a bit of a leg up. Jake, let's start with the regional that you were at in Lexington. Obviously, the the team that advanced from there was DeMarcus Cousins' squad. Loyalty is love. It was pretty apparent throughout the weekend how into that team uh, DeMarcus actually was. I mean, he had a really strong hand in trying to pull together that roster, and it really gelled, it looked like, on thir- on Saturday. I'm sorry, on Sunday, rather. As I was watching them play defense, it seemed like these guys who are some of the elite players, particularly in, Ch- in the China-Asia market, um, where there's not a ton of defense typically being played, it seemed like those guys were 100% all in on the defensive end. Yeah, I mean, that came from their coach, too. Coach O, Coach Otis, um, who's from Mobile, Alabama, and uh, a family member of uh, DeMarcus Cousins, you know, really did a good job of getting that team to play hard, you know, yelling at those guys. And this is not someone who really knew that team, knew all those guys on a personal level. He knew DeMarcus, he knew Jaleel, DeMarcus's brother, but the rest of those guys were brand new. That was not a team that practice that had any time to meet up before they got to Lexington uh, and he really whipped them in the shape and had them playing hard for him uh, real early so props to him uh, coach Otis Hewley for for getting those guys to play hard but uh, really well put together team from the jump DeMarcus did an excellent job and 
He told me he had a list of 75 guys. He reached out to every single person on that roster personally uh, and handpicked them. And when DeMarcus Cousins calls you and says, hey, I want you to come play for me, uh, that's a hard thing to turn down and say no. So really, you know, Darius Johnson Odom, you know, set the tone for those guys with the scoring, led the team with 20.7 points per game, uh, really re-dominated on Sunday in that matchup against the, the Fort Wayne champs. Uh, his size inside, you know, Willie Reed is an NBA player through and through. I think he showed that last year with Everline Drive. I think he's showing that again this year with Loyalty is Love. Uh, once TBT is over, I fully expect him to be playing in the NBA and being in line for that Puma bonus. But I, I think the biggest storyline out of Lexington and maybe, you know, across TBT as a whole is just the, the play of Isaiah Austin uh, from Baylor, whose story has been well told at this point, uh, diagnosed with Marfan syndrome. Um, you know, had to early retire, has ended up working his way back and is now playing overseas, was super impressive for that team. Um, you know, basically a seven foot one, you know, sometimes on that team, they used him as a small forward. He averaged 18 points a game, um, hit the game winning Elam Ender on Sunday, just looked really smooth, a real dynamic difference maker, blocking a ton of shots for that team, led the team in blocks with two per game. I, I was I was blown away by how well he played. And really, I shouldn't be because we always knew talent. Uh, wasn't the issue with him. It was always health. But for a guy who logged, you know, 20 minutes a game over three days, three straight days, I think he put a lot of those health concerns at, at rest. And, um, you know, loyalty is love, I think, coming out of that first weekend has to be the team to beat. Yeah, there really is a lot to be uh, a, a lot to be excited about as that team advances. And I think certainly a threat to any team that they're going to face. Isaiah Austin's an awesome story. And obviously under the care of a very experienced and well-regarded uh, cardiologist advising him on that Marfan syndrome. So really exciting to see him back on the court. Josh, you and I were in Greensboro. This was a great regional to be at. Uh, really underrated in terms of the crowd participation, the excitement that was there. Um, I think the two stories, obviously, that I was most interested in there, Josh, and I'd love you to kind of give some background on, were Chris Paul's involvement and in how heavily he was invested in that team emotionally and in every regard. And obviously the play of Team Hines coming together on Sunday um, after kind of almost like maybe having it on cruise control in the first two rounds. Yeah, I mean, to begin with Chris Paul, that was, I think, everyone who was there was kind of amazed with how um, into it he was. And, um, you know, he, he kind of explained why. I mean, these are guys on this team that he kind of coached as they were growing up, a lot of them, uh, especially the younger ones. He coached them at their, you know, under-13 tournament, AAU tournament. He coached them at their under-15 yeah, AAU tournament, and now they're playing for him. And have not only have they played college ball and playing professionally, but now they come back and play for him. Um, and it's not really a familiar kind of thing for him. I mean, once in a while, those guys will maybe come and come back and help him at a camp. But uh, for the most part, once you're kind of through his program, um, you know, the CP3 AAU program, you're kind of done with, um, you know, playing under that with that name on your chest. And now they came back and you could see kind of how much it really meant to him. Uh, on a personal level, and uh, he talked about it. He had a couple of great quotes when we were talking to him post game, Dan, and um, just talking about how how honored he was that they they you know I think it, you know the question was did you hand pick this roster? And CP3 said I didn't hand pick anybody. Uh, I'm just honored that they wanted to play with me and play for my team and come back and you know wear the the CP3 name on a jersey again. So um, he was super into it. Uh, got into it with officials a lot. He was super into the games. Um, and, uh, you know, after they lost that game on 
Sunday. He was definitely uh, a little bit emotional. I know he wanted to really win that region and go to Chicago. But uh, overall, for, for year number one for them, an amazing run. They played super hard. Um, but in that Sunday game, the kind of transition to that, they were definitely a little bit outmatched. I mean, it was pretty apparent watching the game. And kind of despite that, they fought really hard. Um, I think I noted it. I've never seen two teams who were drenched in sweat more than Team Hines and CP3 at the end of that game. They were playing so hard, diving on the floor for every loose ball, and you can kind of tell how much um, CP3 wanted to win because they had a really great crowd there, uh, and the fans in Greensboro kind of really showed up to watch them. Um, on the other hand, like you mentioned, Dan, we have Team Hines, and um, the, yeah, they, they were, I mean, they're kind of what you expected from them. I mean, Mike James was amazing. Uh, Nick Kalathis kind of ran the offense and was kind of a distributor. Kyle Hines had a couple of really, uh, you know, highlight plays. He he dunked on a guy. Um, he had an amazing block on Sunday where, you know, he, it wasn't like a, a fresh block, but he just kind of jumped up and grabbed the ball out of midair as soon as, uh, I forget who it was. I think Deontay Baldwin released it. Um, it was a really notable clip. And um, I will say, um, Team Hines was very good. They're a very good team. I think they still have a little bit of room to go in terms of kind of getting that chemistry totally worked out. Um, you could tell it was the first time that a lot of these guys have played together, but I think that speaks to how talented they are is that despite playing, you know, CP3 guys who, you know, grew up, these are guys who grew up together and a couple of other teams down in Greensboro, they're such a talented team that kind of despite having some of that chemistry, they were able to uh, win three really tight games. So um, Mike James is amazing. Um, Kyle Hines is Kyle Hines. It's really obvious why he's kind of the most decorated athlete over in Europe. And um, they're a really good team. And now that they have three games under their belt, it's going to be even tougher to beat them. I think as they play more games, you're exactly right, Josh. They're going to come together even more. And obviously, I think the biggest X factor for them uh, has been the defensive end. They've got two of the premier defenders in all of Europe and Brian Dunstan and Kyle Hines on that roster. So it's going to be, I think, more and more impressive as that team continues their quest uh, towards the TBT championship this year. And Kyle Hines himself has made it known that he's won the EuroLeague. He'd love to win TBT. I mean, I think that's fantastic and something that I'm really excited about. Um, guys, going to talk about a regional that none of us were actually at this weekend, but I think all of us were watching very, very closely, which was Columbus, won by the Ohio State alumni team, Carmen's crew, ultimately, uh, but not after quite a few battles that took place. Some of the most memorable moments, I think, in all of TBT that happened this weekend, including uh, a great run by the first-year entrance Red Scare, the Dayton alumni team. Uh, that follow, uh, follow-up putback that won the game for them uh, by Devin Oliver in round two was really one of the more memorable moments, Josh, of, of TBT this year. Yeah, I mean, it, it was crazy. Uh, I, and you know, you take into account too the the fans that they were able to bring out. I think made it even more special. I mean, um, it's no surprise that Dayton has like really good fans, but to see the uh, that number show up and um, you know, it, it wasn't even like Carmen's crew fans just sitting there. I mean, that was a Dayton crowd for their game um, because they went crazy when Devin Oliver had that that putback dunk, which we all kind of uh, have seen by now. Um, it was both teams were, I believe both teams were a bucket away from the target score, missed layup, Devin Oliver went up, uh, and flushed at home and it went crazy there. Um, and that's a really good team. I mean, they had, I believe they had one or two guys who couldn't show up last minute. And then, um, a couple of other Dayton guys from that elite eight team just had other things going on this summer, but, uh, you kind of get the feeling for them. If they can get a couple of those guys in next year, um, 
And, you know, if there happens to be another regional in the state of Ohio, and uh, which their fans will obviously show up to and, and be uh, maybe even the dominant fan base at, no matter where it's played, um, then they're going to be a really tough team. I thought this was, you know, obviously they wanted to make it to Chicago, but in terms of kind of building maybe a little bit of a building block for them moving forward, whether, um, you know, those guys now have three games under their belt, they've kind of established that they have a really good coach in Damon Goodwin, who did an unbelievable job, um, former Dayton grad who played with Anthony Grant, the current coach at Dayton, and um, is the head coach at Capital University where the games were played. He coached that Red Scare team and did an amazing job. If they can keep some of this core together and maybe bring in one or two more pieces from that Elite Eight team, um, they show that they're going to be a really good team in TBT for for you know maybe the long time to come. Just a lot of excitement, and I think that that regional definitely lived up to the billing. I mean, the game between Big X and West Virginia was great. The Red Scare region game was great. Cold-blooded versus Mid-American Unity. I thought Drew Joyce uh, and Romeo Travis were fantastic for Mid-American Unity. Certainly hope to see them again. All right, the last one of the weekend was one of the probably the most surprising regionals, I think, from top to bottom that we may have ever had in TBT. It was won by the eight seed Jackson, Tennessee, which I think if we were seeding this one through 16, probably would have been either a 15 or a 16 seed uh, in all respects. The, the Jackson, Tennessee underdogs, but Jake, they came out on top in that Memphis regional, which really was turned over by an, a massive amount of attrition for teams. Yeah, I mean, that's like we talked about at the beginning of the podcast. Um, you, if you come with a full roster, you have a deep team, um, you're likely going to have success in CBT. And Jackson, Tennessee came with, you know, upwards of a dozen guys, you know, ready to rock. And, and the fact that they came with so many players and they have the experience of playing together with each other over the years, not just in CBT, but back home in Jackson, you know, from their childhood days, uh, you know, went a long way. And that really showed in, in Memphis when you had, you know, the first two seeds you know, out on the first day of games. Uh, Jackson was, was locked in a, a tough shooting contest, we'll call it, against Gale Force, but then just ran through Southern Gentlemen, ran through Louisiana United. Uh, those were teams with five guys and six guys, respectively. Um, even if they had a couple more guys, like with the way Jalen Barber played, you have to wonder if they even would have stood a chance regardless. Uh, Jalen's performance this year, Jalen was great last year with Jackson, Tennessee. He played really well for them. Um, but the way he's playing this year kind of reminds me of what John Gillen did for Bayheim's Army in his second year playing for that team, where kind of took over, looked a little smoother, looked a little quicker, was more confident in his playmaking and his shot taking. And Barber just carried that team. And, and I obviously wasn't there, but watching that game and then looking back on some of the highlights, he just looked like a completely different player. He looked quicker. He looked like he was a little bit slimmer. He shot the hell out of the ball. I mean, his numbers were, led the team in basically everything, 25.7 points per game. 5.7 assists, including a dozen assists in that Louisiana United game. And for people who know Jalen Barber, they know he's a scorer, not a passer. For So for him to put up, I think it was 28 or 29 that game on top of a dozen assists, just shows you the kind of mindset he is in right now and in, in taking over that team, and trying to lead them to that $2 million title. Even pulling down like 5.7 rebounds a game, which is enough to lead the team. That that team is, is small. They're undersized. They've got multiple guards that are under five foot eight. Um, but they're finding the way to get the job done. They get out in transition. They know how to play together. They're knocking down shots. Uh, you know, this is a team that has had success in TBT in the past. They've knocked off some top seeds before. I don't think anyone could have seen this coming. Um, but, you know, when you get them in Chicago, it doesn't matter if Carmen's crew is there. It doesn't matter if loyalty is love is there. It doesn't matter if overseas elite ends up making it there or whoever else plays. You can't knock Jackson anymore. You can't overlook them. They're here for a reason. Uh, and, and they deserve to be in that conversation for the $2 million. And I think it starts with, with two things, it's Jalen Barford and their depth. 
Yeah, it's been amazing to watch that. The mayor of Jackson, Tennessee is is posting all kinds of stuff on social media about the team. The entire town seems like it's really excited about it. I, Jalen Barford really was a revelation, and I think Jake, you nailed it on the head when he's, you said that he looks like almost a different player from what we've seen in the past. One great tidbit about him was that he was the subject of a major recruiting battle between the Arkansas alumni team and the Jackson team, and when we saw that he was going to play with the Jackson team, we thought, wow, it's... That's really an interesting decision, and he obviously made the right one because that team was clearly the class of that regional in in almost shocking fashion. I think the teams that lost uh, seemed to show up shorthanded, and that's really the the story of that regional. Jackson showed up uh, prepared and with a full roster, and they advanced. Um, Josh, let's run through it real quick. Biggest surprise for you from the first uh, regionals that took place last weekend? Hmm. I mean, we... Jackson, I think, obviously, I'm trying to give you something other than that. Um, I want to say the biggest surprise was, um, I'll say having, I think maybe we see a lot of teams who are billed really highly in TBT kind of sometimes flame out. Um, and once they get on site and they're playing, and maybe if you have that top tier talent, um, who's playing over in, in EuroLeague or wherever they're playing, whatever top league around the world, um, being able, you know, those guys coming in and really playing hard and, and um, you know, playing at kind of the level you need to win in TBT. We've seen a lot of really highly regarded teams, um, you know, either not show up with enough guys, which is a point that Jake made when talking about Memphis, or just not kind of showing up with the right attitude. So, to see, I mean, we know Carmen's crew. We know what they bring. We know they're ama- an amazing team who uh, has the right mindset. We know um, Jackson, and we know what they do. But loyalty is love. In um, Team Hines, were two kind of unknown teams. Uh, we know they had a ton of talent on the roster, but uh, and you know Dan and, and Jake, and you know we all hear things about who's going to show up and who's not, but you don't truly know until we get on site. For so for both of those teams to show up with a full roster and really play with the mindset that's needed to win in TBT and the unselfishness and, um, you know, kind of that, that, that team first mentality, um, I thought was, I don't want to say surprising, but, um, I'll, I'll say refreshing because I think, um, you know, it's good to see these teams with these really top tier world-class athletes, um, really buy in as much as those two teams did and show that, um, you know, hey, this is something that they're really taking seriously. And like, this is really a priority for them to play well in TBT and advance as a team. Yeah, it is a cliche to say that games are won by heart. And, but and I think especially in TBT, it's particularly true. And the hardest thing that we have, the hardest job we have is forecasting the heart that these teams have. Jake, let's switch it up a little bit for you. What's your biggest takeaway from this weekend? When, you, when you're thinking about back on these four regionals, what's the thing that you're going to remember the most? The thing that I'll remember the most from outside of Isaiah Austin and, and what I already mentioned about him, I would probably have to say that, you know, Aaron Kraft still does Aaron Kraft things. And, you know, sometimes I, I think you can you can forget that, um, that, you know, somehow this guy who's, you know, spent his entire career, you know, up in his 30s now, you know, kind of built himself up playing as hard as he does. And from age 18 to where he is now has not changed a single iota about his game. He's diving on the floor for loose balls. He almost plays like a cornerback on the defensive end. You, you, you watch him, you know, read rotations and, and make plays on that end. He's coming from behind to, to make steals. That's a dude that, like, still has it. Nothing about him has changed. And you talk about, you know, TBT sort of having the nostalgia factor for fans and what kind of reels people in. 
Aaron Kraft doing Aaron Kraft things is like, you know, brings people back to the early, you know, the mid 2000s and, you know, at a time where they were watching him in school and being amazed by, by the things that he was doing. Uh, so I think that's, you know, one of the biggest takeaways is that team and that core um, who's had TBC success before, who had success at Ohio State is still getting the job done, uh, even without Jared Sullinger, even without Deshaun Thomas, uh, Kraft, Lady, Buford, especially, who had an excellent, excellent weekend has really taken a step forward. Those guys can still get it done, even without having, you know, a true scoring big man down low. The Quentin Ross was a great late ad for them. Uh, but that is a team that, you know, as long as you have Aaron Kraft as your, as your leader, the guy making plays with the ball in his hands as well as on the defensive end, uh, that, that's a team that's going to be a, a force to be reckoned with regardless. No hey, doubt. Dan. All right. Yes. Just real quick. We didn't hit on Coach uh, Sullinger, who did an amazing job um, with that team. Uh just watching some of the games and seeing some of the clips. I mean, he was super into it. Uh, he had a great quote about um, kind of embracing his dad after the game and how it was kind of uh, something that they never experienced before. You know, Jared's dad has some experience coaching. And then uh, you could kind of tell that it, it meant a lot to them for uh, Jared to be getting into coaching a little bit. And um, he just I thought he did an amazing job. Uh, and if you look back at, you know, some of the clips that came out, he was super into it. Uh, and I think that kind of speaks to Carmen's crew is that, you know, Jared Sullinger played with them for two years. It would be super easy for them to just kind of be like joking around and not take him seriously as a coach. But just looking at the team around him, too. I mean, when he spoke, they listened. Um, and it kind of just talks about how well organized that Carmen's crew team is and uh, kind of the character of guys they have in that um on that team you know Jared Sullinger instantly went from their friend and a fellow player and he still is obviously but in during the course of those two games I mean they respected him like they would respect their college coach pretty much I mean they were all locked in listening to him and he did uh, just an amazing job on the sideline for them yeah no doubt that was something impressive to see and the next time you're going to get a chance to see that Karma's crew team play is on Thursday August 1st game time to be determined but likely on ESPN uh, or in the alternative on ESPNU. You're going to see Loyalty as Love also play on Thursday, August 1st. The next game for Team Hines is going to be on Friday, August 2nd, likely on ESPN. We're following that up with the Puma Posterized Dunk Contest, which we've got to talk about at least for a couple of minutes, guys, at some point. And then you're going to see the Jackson, Tennessee Underdogs play on Friday, August 2nd as well, likely on ESPN2. Guys, thanks again for your time. Uh, for anyone listening, thank you for listening to TBT's podcast. We'll be back very soon with another edition in which we'll update you on some of the late ads and changes that you might see for rosters in the second round of regionals, which are going to start up on Friday. We'll talk to you soon. 